broadcast has now started, and you're in listen-only mode, so you're not allowed to heckle us. Welcome to another Trimark webcast. My name is Dania Koski. I am Customer Success Manager here at Trimark Security. I thank everybody who has joined in the chat. Uh, if you have questions, you can post your questions in the little chat function in the GoToWebinar UI, and we'll be happy to answer it. Um, this is going to be half kind of presentation and half Scott and I back and forth. I'm going to ask Scott some questions and we'll have a little back and forth. So not so much just a, a steady thing. So uh, if you have a question, you want us to clarify something or you think of something, we're going to be happy to answer it. Well, I'm saying that Scott will be happy to answer it. I'm <laughs> not. Answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the one who's going to answer your questions unless it's something about rubber chickens, uh, best pools in Las Vegas. Uh, or Wawa versus Sheets for you, uh, for you East Coast people. Uh, and if you're in Europe, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So let's get to the thing that you probably do have an idea about what I'm talking about. This is the identity security boundary, pitfalls of ever expanding security boundaries. As I said, my name is Daniel Koski, and joining me, Director of Services, uh, Active Directory Wizard, uh, former service lead, but has since has since given that over to one of our other guys, Jake. Uh, Scott makes the trains run on time here. Uh, Scott Blake, hi, sir. Hey, greetings, Danny, and everyone else that's joined. Uh, yes, and uh, somebody says somebody in work said, "Hey, good news, Scott stopped leaking corporate secrets to everybody." Uh, <laughs> listen, I, we use GoToWebinar, but we're not sponsored by them, so I could easily say it's not that intuitive sometimes, and mistakes happen. But you know, we'll we'll edit it out later. Uh, oh man, people, I have I have trick. Oh, somebody said they're not getting audio. Can people hear us? If it's just me, no, somebody can because the next question is like Wawa versus Sheets. So somebody heard us. Hmm. Um, so Dash, it's something with you, man. Um, cool. So let's, Scott. Who what who are you? What do you do? What do you come from? What what why why who are you? Why should you listen to me, right? That's probably the, <laughs> the biggest uh, you're handsome. You're handsome. That's the only thing I need to know. <laughs> Tall, too, but that, that probably doesn't show on camera. Um, so, yeah, I've been with Trimark for over four years now, where I have focused heavily on helping organizations secure their identity platforms. Um, how I got here is, is probably a fairly classic uh, path. I started working, you know, the overnight shift uh, for an IT help desk, you know, putting in tickets, putting in tickets, resetting passwords. Um, eventually, I was able to turn that into a, a junior systems administrator job and really just kept learning and growing from there. And, and I will say with the help of some really great people along the way, too, which I think is a key part of it. Um, the nice part about my background, I know the struggles of administering and managing these identity platforms we are here to talk about today. And at Trimark, we perform over 100 assessments a year, and I see just about every single report and therefore customer the, the customer environment um, before those reports get shipped off. Um, therefore, really, you know, I know the common issues organizations face as well as, you know, really the history behind the decisions that led to them to where they are today. So, um, and this came about, by the way, we're already getting, I have never gotten so many instant answers to questions until I mentioned a food war, which is Wawa versus Siege. Uh, somebody already said Sheets, but for clarification, I used to be hardcore Wawa, uh, but I have since come across to Sheets, they have better meatball subs and they have little macaroni and cheese deep fried balls that you can get. So <laughs> now I recognize uh, that there is, is validity in Sheets. However, I did have, it's on the floor. I would really, I'd pick it up right now, but I had a big thing of Wawa mac and cheese for breakfast because <laughs> that's what somebody who looks like me does for breakfast. Um, anyway. <laughs> did you say breakfast, Danny? I did say I had, Maybe I had talk after this. <laughs> I had a family size. I, I mean, it's not too much of a stretch to say I would eat something that's family size um, of mac and Wawa mac and cheese and uh, baked potato and and bacon soup. By the way. Uh, but now that we've gotten gone over my bad nutrition habits, so the, the idea for the security boundary one actually came from a question that we had on our last webcast, which you can get up at our, uh, it's both up on hub.trimarksecurity.com and our YouTube. It, we uploaded it up there. Um, so you can go and watch the um, um, Ask Me Anything that we did with Scott, uh, Jake, our other service lead, 
and our fearless leader, Sean Metcalf. And somebody had asked, um, is it, should I go all into, I guess mm. I'll call it Entra now. I don't know that if I say Entra, it's under duress, right? Like I, I, I'm not, I, I don't like it. So I'm, I'm gonna say it anyway. Should we move into Azure AD slash Entra or should we stay on-prem? If we're there, can we go back, blah, blah, blah. And like, essentially we're like, well, you can't even go fully there yet. And that started a conversation internally with us about boundaries. Uh, but Scott made a whole bunch of slides and he's gonna talk through a bunch of it. Um, so I'm gonna throw this over to Scott. Uh, and as, as I said, as you have questions, if you have comments or whatever, put them in your GoToWebinar uh, chat. And that's it for me for the time being. Uh, Scott, take it away. All right. Yeah, as Danny has alluded to, you know, today we are here to walk through how the identity security boundary has evolved over the years. And really, you know, with the gift of hindsight, point out issues along the way that have negatively impacted um, your environment security posture and kind of why you are today, uh, where you are essentially. And yeah, really to get things started, let's let's look back at the year 2003. Um, you're hired onto a company's IT team of one, of course. Looks and, like. <laughs> and being the young starry-eyed admin, uh, you are ready to hit the ground running. Uh, so boss comes up to you and says, hey, First thing we need is a way to manage our resources as well as control access to those resources. Um, so immediately you're like, I know just the thing, it's time for Active Directory. So you spin up some 2003 domain controllers and install the necessary components for Active Directory. Um, the nice part is you aren't concerned about issues with backwards compatibility, right? All the older protocols are supported like SMB version one, as well as LM and NTL, NTLM authentication. And even 20 years later today, they are still supported. Also, your older Windows devices can still talk to Active Directory and really anyone with or without an account, uh, thanks to that uh, pre-Windows 2000 group. Um, so really all in all, life is good, but wait, you see a Microsoft best practice article saying that you should really stand up a second domain within the force because you want to keep that parent domain essentially empty. And here is your child domain that will likely go on to contain the vast majority of the resources for your environment. Now, because you're under this pseudo illusion that the domain boundary is your security boundary, you've effectively isolated the parent environment from the child. And really that's all about limiting who has access to those highest privilege groups uh, being the enterprise admins as well as the exchange admin groups. But, you know, with that gift of hindsight, uh, we now realize and have realized for a while that the domain really isn't the security boundary. It's, it's the entire AD forest. So essentially your environment security posture is only as strong as the weakest domain within it. We commonly assess environments with this empty parent root configuration, excuse me. And in the vast majority of cases, that parent domain is all but forgotten about. So this means it's still holding on to the most of the insecure default configurations and in many cases has little to no auditing whatsoever that's happening within it. But moving on, in addition to getting the domains up and running, you also wanted to deploy some necessary services, right? So let's add a few extra components, uh, mainly email. Say hello to on-prem exchange and like 99, probably 0.9% .9 of the environments we've seen you deploy Exchange and its default configuration, which is the shared permission model. And the hindsight here is that Exchange now has elevated rights to Active Directory. Typically, we see these rights at the domain root, but occasionally we'll, we'll see these on the admin SD holder object as well, which is designed to protect the highest, highest privilege accounts, groups, and computers within your environment. Hey, Scott, if I get a question, do you want me to interrupt you or no? Yeah, Danny, anytime you want to jump in. <laughs> I asked to interrupt you to ask you if I could interrupt you. Uh, <laughs> but if this, uh, I think this question is germane to this slide. I don't want to have to go backtrack. Uh, Marty in chat asks, 
how often do you still run into the empty route? I worked for a company that did that too, as it was the best practice back when AD came out. So all those early adopters probably jumped in on that. Oops. Yeah, it, it all comes down to really when the environment was stood up and configured. So if you were back in the early days of AD, it's very common for us to see an empty route um, in older environments. But whereas, you know, if you've just deployed, you know, within the past 10 or even uh, potentially 15 years now, it's that's that's kind of gone away, right? So it's it's really about the age of the of the environment and how long it's been around for. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, if I didn't derail you from your spot, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, so we're talking about on-prem exchange and the, and the rights that it gets in that shared permission model to Active Directory. Uh, so really now all an attacker needs to do to compromise is to compromise an exchange server or somebody with admin rights to exchange to elevate in your environment and, and really directly to Active Directory in most cases. Um, and this is really a tough one to defend against because this was the intended configuration. This is why it's called shared permission model. Um, so really, you know, at least from a basic recommendation standpoint, it's ensuring that you're running the latest uh, cumulative updates on your exchange servers because Microsoft has realized, you know, within the past few years that this is potentially dangerous. So they've done some work around drawing back those permissions. Um, also limiting who has elevated rights to your exchange servers, those exchange groups, and you know, obviously the administrators uh, of your exchange servers. And if possible, and I, I think we're starting to see this more and more, um, move to exchange online if you're already connected to Azure AD. But if you are able to pull off that migration, ensure that you circle back and clean up the delegation given to those on-prem exchange groups, because that's not done automatically. Um, we've seen several cases where on-prem exchange has been removed. It's over in Exchange Online, but those you know, highly privileged exchange groups, exchange windows permissions, trusted subsystem, organization management, still has those same rights and therefore could be an attack vector um, if an attacker was able to you know, get themselves to be a member of that group. JM in the comments said, not not a question, just a comment. I've been an AD admin for four different places over the past 12 years, and this is exactly the model every single place had. Yep. Yeah, this is, it is a fictitious environment, but this is very, very much representative of, of, of a lot of what we see. And this seems, right now, in this slide, this seems manageable. Right, it's not too bad. The nice little <laughs> oval. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, it'll stay like this through the remainder of this presentation. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Uh, yeah, let's continue to time travel, right? Uh, so jumping up to 2010, you still have uh, your boss comes up to you again and says, hey, great news. The company is doing fantastic. So we've decided to acquire another organization. I mean, after all, vertical integration is all the rage, right, by this point, so why not join in? Uh, so of course, this acquisition comes with new requirements. Your boss wants you to set it up so that users in each environment can access resources in the other. What, so, I mean, what could go wrong? That's, yeah, right. You're you're you six years into some, some stuff. Like it's not. It's just one. I mean, so you're six years into the job, and you immediately know the answer to your boss's request, right? It is time for a bi-directional trust. Ta-da! So now. Yeah, right. You just got to draw an arrow. Uh, <laughs> People say documentation's hard. <laughs> uh, now, essentially, you're responsible for two Active Directory for us. Uh, but don't worry, right? Boss says we'll prior prioritize a migration in the near future to consolidate to consolidate down to one environment. And I, I have a little wink, wink here, right? Because we often know that's not really the case these tend to hang out for, for almost eternity, really. Um, so switching gears here, what are the problems we typically see with this setup? First, you have extended your security boundary, right? If this merger forest isn't properly configured or maintained, it would provide a direct path into your production forest. Another problem we commonly see is with cross-forest administration. Uh, so to simplify management, you give your administrators in the production forest 
admin rights to the merger force, or in some cases, even vice versa. Uh, but now a compromise of one of these AD environments all but guarantees a compromise of the other. And also, as I was kind of hinting to before, migrations tend to be difficult and for a variety of reasons. And these trusts do seem to linger much longer than ever intended. I mean, it's just a little tech debt, right? It's just a little. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this figure eight is somewhat manageable, right? It's all, it's, I mean, it's, it's the oval grew a, a thing onto itself, but some growths are benign. <laughs> all right, let's continue to jump ahead. Ah, and speed things up a little bit. So let's cover the years 2012 through 2018. I love, I love, I love their face. I love the little <laughs> yeah. face. It only gets better. <laughs> I should have named them. Yeah, uh, you should be like, <laughs> something sticky is about to happen. <laughs> so we're going to spend time during this six-year period building out additional capabilities within the environment. So just to reiterate, here's where we left things off in 2010. But let's add in those extra cool features that we're talking about. And first up, um, we want something to monitor the systems and the health of the, of the environment. Uh, in this case, we are deploying System Center Operations Manager, or SCOM, but there are several other products that would fall into the same category. Next, we need a solution to manage our endpoints, and SCCM seems like a good fit, or MECM, I think is what it's called these days. Um, but let's pause here and talk a little more about what we've done. Since SCOM is managing or monitoring our DCs, which is a good thing, right? Uh, we've also kind of incidentally created some exposure. Solutions like SCOM have the ability to execute code. So now a potential attacker could compromise SCOM to compromise the AD forest. And really the same thing applies to SCCM as well too, since it's most likely managing your DCs. And SCCM can actually get a bit worse. If you're using its push capabilities to install the agent on new systems, that opens up a whole nother attack vector within the environment, one that is relatively easy to carry out. And uh, Brandon Colley from our team has written a fantastic article on this very thing. But unfortunately, any system or application with the ability to run code on a domain controller or really any other tier zero asset, which we'll start building out a little more here as we move forward, should also be treated like a tier zero device. Um, and this, once again, also applies to the administrators of these monitoring and management systems. So as you can tell from all this, things have started to get complicated right it's giving it's it's giving a little bit of trauma past trauma for me uh because i started my career in some sysadmin stuff and a little bit of expansion but just spoiler alert, at the end we're going to give you actual ways to make things better we're yep. not just going to be like look how messed up it is good good <laughs> luck right <laughs> yeah good luck uh yeah this is getting this is this is not quite the you know one DC and a little bit of exchange. This is uh, this is getting there. Yep. Um, all right. So what should we deploy next? Let's throw VMware into the mix, right? After all, virtualization is extremely common as it saves on har hardware and administrative costs. Secure out the box. Yeah. Right. Plug <laughs> and play. Next. Next. Finish. Uh, and, and very much like Active Directory, VMware is relatively easy to deploy and essentially just works, right? But also like Active Directory and, and what you were kind of just hitting on, Danny, VMware does not default to a secure state. So this means if you want a secure virtual environment, it has to be a conscious effort. And based on what we've seen at Trimark, VMware is almost never secured. Our very own Demetrius Moustakis hit on these very same points, but in a much better and more detailed manner with his recent pop webcast that he did back in June for us, which was Which fantastic. is in the chat. I put the link in the chat if anybody is curious. Uh, um, and it may seem obvious, but I will state it anyways. A compromise of VMware is a direct path to compromising 
all the resources that VMware is hosting, uh, which in most cases, in most environments, is, is darn near everything at this point, right? So, before we round out 2018, let's deploy one more product, right? You say, said, oh, I'm sorry, somebody else had put something in the chat. JM said, will you add a SQL cluster and DBAs who think they need domain admin privileges to manage clusters? Also, backup and storage admins who wanna just use domain admin to manage shares and backup, much easier than delegating privileges. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, why not? Yeah. That's one of the biggest things we run into is that those highly privileged AD groups, your administrators, your domain admins, that's the easy button, right? You know if you add a user account or a service account in that group, they are going to be able to perform the function they need to perform within the environment. Granted, it's overkill, but it's easy. It's much harder to go through and say, okay, what specific rights do you need to perform that service? Um, and I think that's why why one of our most common findings is service accounts in these highly privileged groups when we know they don't require that level of access. I think Paul S. Dorian from Paul, well, I'm sorry, Security Weekly, uh, Paul.com is my thing. He had been telling a story, I think it was him telling a story about him doing some kind of assessment and the coffee maker had DA for some reason, <laughs> because that's the only way it would work. I'm pretty sure it was Paul or Paul was relaying a story from Larry or somebody. Uh, of course that could happen. Uh, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, I think Brandon just ran into from our team an environment where they had a fax machine that was a domain admin. And sure. I, the first question is, you know, probably who's still using the fax machine, but. All of healthcare, all of healthcare is using yeah. fax machines and they're notoriously secure. <laughs> Yeah, so with Active Directory Certificate Services, you know, the great news is it integrates directly into Active Directory, and it comes at no additional cost, um, unless you count the cost to security, right? Um, we see several common critical security issues with ADCS in way too many environments. I don't think it's 100% anymore, but it's, it's definitely still in the 90 percentile range where if your environment has ADCS deployed, we are going to find at least one critical issue with it. Um, we got, we got uh, somebody here who does a lot of work with ADCS, don't we? No kidding. Who, who might that be? Uh, he, he cosplays as a horse on the weekends. Uh, Jake. <laughs> Jake Jake Hildreth, who is incidentally our service lead on our ADSA, wrote a little bit of a tool. Uh, it's actually a really nice tool. I'm putting it in chat right now. It's called Locksmith. Yeah, the tool is fantastic, and it definitely looks at those most those most common issues that we run into with ADCS. Um, first off, auditing is not enabled for ADCS out of the box. You have to turn this on for each individual ADCS server, and you better have multiple because that root CA server should remain offline. Um, the second most common issues we run into is around the certificate templates and their configurations. Um, in a lot of cases, we see templates that are configured to allow a very low privileged group. Often, you know, it's authenticated users or domain users, which is, you know, essentially everyone in your environment, um, with the ability to directly escalate to domain admins. Um, so, yeah, I would 100% strongly recommend everyone download and run Locksmith in their environment if they are using ADCS because um, it will not only flag the issues that are in the environment, but also provide a path to remediation. And it's free. And it's free, shoot, right? Yeah. All right, you ready to time travel a little more, Danny? Yes, let's, it's gotta get better, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, sure it does. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, oh, we, we should just give them a name. <laughs> let's name them uh, Rochelle. <laughs> this is Rochelle on that's she's going up the stairs and she's not been having a great time. No, it, it's just getting harder and harder with each with each passing year, right? Uh, so here we are in 2020, and I, I, I just said our smiley face is not so smiley anymore. Uh, Rochelle's very upset. <laughs> uh, guess what? Your board of directors decide it's time to jump on that cloud bandwagon. They don't know what it means 
or what it involves are really, they don't really care. Uh, but that's what they have you for, right? I miss the good old days when nobody wanted to go to cloud. <laughs> I miss being on product teams of a of a of products that had a cloud option. Everybody was like, no. And now everybody's yeah. like, hey, why not? Yeah, because uh, I know a lot of the discussions were around like, can you actually trust these other providers to, to prevent to protect your data, which was always one of the big caveats and concerns around it. But I, I guess I guess Valid, I mean, ever done that. that you know, listen, I, I I snark, but like early on, probably you know, there was probably reason to be reticent and and like only one on prem or things, and it seemed like. Or maybe I'm just old and time is flying, but like overnight, people are suddenly okay with it, and now it's a whole nother consideration. Well, there are a lot of really cool features and capabilities that come with it, so I think like you know that that trade-off is it's it's better to have it than not to have it, um, even though there are some security trade-offs with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we're in 2020. You've now been on the job for 17 years, uh, but at least you're running the administrative team, right? So congrats on the promotion. Um, so you decide Azure AD is the way to go as it integrates nicely with your on-prem AD environment. And I can still call it Azure AD because it's 2020. So Danny, don't try to correct me. I happily will not try to correct you. <laughs> I've already been corrected on saying intro and I, I, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> So this means that you also need to stand up an Azure AD Connect server to handle those sync functionalities, you know, from your on-prem environment to your cloud environment and vice versa. And all this is great stuff, really. You know, like I was saying, you get single sign-on, you get password right back, you get exchange online, which will hopefully one day replace your on-prem exchange deployment. And I will say that many of the environments we assess are now in this hybrid model, right? We don't really see a lot of true on-prem ADs or our standalone Azure AD environments. But let's once again talk about the potential issues from a security perspective. And again, the problems really arise from this ever-expanding security boundary. <laughs> and boy, has it gotten ugly, right, Danny? I mean. It's, and it's, it's not just it like my a, lack of artistic abilities here. <laughs> no, I was we were going through. I was like, why does it look like a severed Mickey Mouse head? Yeah, yeah, he he has fallen down. I think he's given up at this point. <laughs> and he's been Mickey's been through a lot. Like he's been through a lot of stuff. And he, he took one he took one look at this forest and was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I think I even posted to Twitter. I was like, what do security boundaries and a severed Mickey Mouse head have in common? I bet you that there was a lot of questions around that from people. <laughs> but here's your answer, right? Doesn't look good. No, and and now you have an additional platform you have to manage and secure. Um, and again, you have to secure each individual platform and its resources to effectively secure all the resources within the security boundary. Jim has a great comment. He says security trade-offs. Like, do you trust your cloud provider to be yep forward and transparent about any security issues that they have. Yeah, and that's that's a big question, which, yeah, I, I won't get into it. Everyone probably has their own little personal opinion on that, but yeah, it's... Well, we could totally rant about that on happy hours sometime. Happy yeah. hours, we're ranting, we can do that. Um, so with Azure AD being the new kid on the block, it does have some excellent security options available, but they have to be enabled and they have to be configured correctly. Um, some examples of this is, is PIM, MFA, and conditional access policies. Um, but you also have to control who has access to manage Azure AD. Um, and one of our biggest problems that we see with these hybrid configurations is that customers are syncing their on-prem AD administrator accounts to then manage the Azure AD tenants. And, and again, the problem is that if you compromise either environments, you have a direct path to compromise the other since you have the credentials and those credentials work on either side with, with the access that they, are, they have already been granted. Um, so really, you know, welcome to the cloud. Security got even more complicated because of it, right? Well, just, uh, it's sure AI will help us clean it up. <laughs> So you want to see how the, the present day looks, Danny? Yeah, I mean, we're already in it. Like, <laughs> how much worse could it get? 
Yeah, right. All right. So we have arrived in, in 2023, the present day. Um, and and I, I would say that our, our, our former smiley face is officially concerned, right? She was just so happy just to have a job in 2003. <laughs> Stars in her eyes. And, and let's let's look back a little, right? So we've gone from this cute little yeah. on-prem AD forest, which, you know, doesn't look that bad, right? Like, oh, I can handle this. And now we've jumped to this monster, really. It's 20 so jarring. It's, <laughs> it's abrupt. It's, it's a lot. And to really drive the point home, what do you think an attacker sees when they look at your security boundary when it's configured in this manner? Lots of places to poke at. Yeah. I mean, this, look at about all the different ways the environment could be exploited. And again, you know, depending on how you have it configured, exploiting any one of these components essentially could give you rights to all of them. And, and you know, like I said, this is a fictitious representation, but many real environments we assess look very similar or, or in some cases even worse, right? Maybe you've branched out into AWS or, or Azure or these other, other components as well, too. But let's, let's take a moment to highlight some of the main takeaways really from these past 20 years. Uh, obviously, the security boundary has only gotten more complex, which almost always means more challenging, right? Like you almost never have one without the other. And, and really nothing that was implemented was done with malice or ill intent, right? And in many cases, best practices were followed at that time. So this, this is not a, a staff problem, right? It's not somebody on your team who had no idea what they were doing that caused you to end up in this situation. This is also not a problem that is solvable with more software. Please don't throw more software at this and, and think you're good to go. Um, this is not something that's going to be resolved with a privileged access manager or MFA. And in some cases, you know, depending on how you deploy these things, you could actually end up making things worse. And that's not really to say, and that's not a knock against, you know, PAM and, and MFA. Um, they do have some benefits. It's really about do you have it configured correctly and are you aware of their shortcomings? Because neither of those are are magic bullets. You know, we've talked to customers and say, hey, you know, I've stand, I've stood up a, a privilege access uh, management solution. So essentially, I don't need to worry about anything else, right? And the answer is absolutely not. I, I think they're great for the the role that they fill, but you know, in in some cases, you've just opened yourself up even more. You know, if that that is managing your privilege credentials and you don't have it properly secured. Um, I, th I just think there's a lot of blind spots with these solutions and it's not like, hey, set it and forget it. There's there's a lot more that needs to be done outside of these two things. And at least as I see it, the real problem is, or the solution to the problem is dedicated resources who know what to look for and how to remediate. Um, the last thing I wanna mention really is that you're gonna likely be in this security boundary for a while and and maybe forever, you know, forever being in quotes. Um, so you have to protect it in its entirety, in its current state, and not what it's gonna look like five years from now. Because we have worked with customers who are, who are in the hybrid model, whose plan is to get everything over to Azure AD and decommission on-prem AD. And, you know, maybe eventually they can do that. But in the meantime, you still have to care about your on-prem AD environment, whether you like it or not, um, because it's there, it's likely vulnerable, and, you know, it can more than likely jump over into your Azure AD environment as well, too, if it's not properly protected and configured. So this whole thing is upsetting to me. Yeah, sorry, Tammy. Yeah, I mean, I don't even do it. Like, you're the one that does the assessments. I'm not an admin. Uh, but it just, I mean, right, it just, it, it underscores, because we could talk about this, these things in all these different levels of abstraction and 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 pontificate on the things, but to see it like this, um, 
I, I, I'm sure glad we got some good news at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a lot. I, and that's, I think that's one of the points I wanted to, to be clear with with this presentation is you're here for a reason. It's not necessarily a bad reason, but you, you are where you are and, and you have to be aware of it and know how to protect it. I mean, that's 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 all you can do. But yeah, let's let's talk a little bit a little bit about future state and some takeaways as well too. Um, so, yeah, with all the bad news we've laid out over the past few <laughs> slides, <laughs> I I didn't see this change to the slide. So no, you didn't. This is new. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we, Rochelle has guys. She she went and got uh, talked to somebody and got medication to let her deal with it. <laughs> yeah, she's she's hurtling over her security problems right into this quote unquote secure future. Um, yeah, but really, you know what? As I've highlighted, you know, as we've talked about over these past few slides, you know, really, what's an administrator or security specialist or really an organization to do? Um, you really have this giant, ugly monster of a security boundary to fortify. And I mean, part of this, I, I hope that I have made it sound difficult, right? I'm, that, maybe that sounds bad, but I, it is a hard problem because it is. And that, that's, that's just the, the true nature of it. And um, even Jim just said in the comments that mess looks even worse if you have DCs and AWS, Azure, or uh, or uh, uh, GCP. Yeah, that that monster could be uglier than how I highlighted it for sure. Yeah, yeah, Scott actually made the monster flattering for this one. <laughs> was it, I was running out of space on a, on the PowerPoint slide deck. I, I don't think I could branch it out any further. I was trying to do the marketing things and put our like branding and ribbons and stuff. And I was like, I don't know where to put these things. <laughs> These stupid boundaries are making me making my job harder now. <laughs> Sorry, Danny. <laughs> That's right. I just put the bound. I just put my own boundaries behind your boundaries. There you go. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit more about solutions and takeaways, right? So first up, you have to be proactive. Most of the products you have implement or will implement in the future default to easy or compatible but not secure that's that's just the way it is right if you deploy active directory on-prem today granted there are some some better protections in place but a lot of the same stuff that existed 20 years ago also exists today and that's because of that backward compatibility component and that's really what's made i think is part of what's made active directory so popular right it just works with everything uh, next up you definitely need to administratively isolate your environments. In our case, each environment should have local accounts dedicating, dedicated to administering that specific platform. Because uh, it comes down to controlling where admin accounts are used, as well as limiting the fallout if it's compromised in one platform, ensuring that that's not going to lead to a direct compromise in the other. Um, this does not fully eliminate the risk of an attacker getting a foothold if one or more platforms is compromised, but it does, again, limit that fallout. Uh, maybe then they're just accessing the environment as a normal user versus an administrator account. Uh, next, you really have to you know, secure each and every platform according to best practice. Um, so for, I guess we can now officially call it intra-ID, this means strong conditional access policies with limited exceptions, implementing you know, privilege identity management on your, on your highly privileged role members, and ensuring you're using eligible versus permanent. I, we've seen way too many environments where they have essentially just said, hey, everyone has permanent uh, rights to global administrators. And that's not really what, what PIM is intended. It's really meant to be that just-in-time management and, and so you essentially you check out your highly privileged account for a set number of hours, those permissions go away. And then if you need it again, you kind of run through the same process. I really wish that on-prem active directory had something similar to this. Uh, enforcing MFA, but please do not use SMS. Um, yeah, there's, I, if you had to choose between MFA or MFA with SMS and no MFA, please do the SMS 
but those really should be edge cases and we would definitely like to see you switch over to something like Authenticator instead. Uh, finally, for Azure, or, see, I'm doing it too, Danny, for Intra-ID, <laughs> you need to limit the number of privileged applications and then also who has rights to manage those applications because essentially they could use, if they have rights to the application, they could use permissions that are assigned to that application. Well, then let's talk uh, on-prem Active Directory. So you're going to want to limit and lock down your, I'm going to call them your direct tier zero assets. So these are your highest privilege groups and objects, your administrators, your domain admins, your domain controllers. Um, but then you also need to control access to indirect tier zero assets, which I've kind of called your integration components. So that's your ADCS, your Azure AD Connect server and service account, um, on-prem exchange, as well as those management systems that we highlighted. And this last one is probably uh, the least amount of fun, but the most important to do. You really need to go through your environment with a fine tooth comb to track down all the custom delegation that has likely occurred over the years. Um, you need to see if those accounts still require that level of access and clean those up when when they don't have it or when they don't when they no longer need it. Uh, we see so much custom delegation, and a lot of it is just it's being unaware of it, and then also you assume it was set for a reason when it was configured that way, but there's no one left who knows why it was done. And being an administrator is difficult, right? It's if you break something, you're going to hear about it. Whereas if you if things are up and running, you know you never get any complaints. So it, it's hard to be proactive when you're fearful that you change something that's been that way for 20 years and not knowing what the, the potential fallout might be from it. I have a question in chat. I don't know if it uh, fits here. Uh, JM asked, do you guys recommend us sunsetting ADFS in favor of Azure AD SSO ASAP? Yes. So many acronyms, Jay. Jeez. <laughs> I said, yes. my, my mouth started to fail at the end. I was like, I don't know. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I think I think Microsoft is going to sunset ADFS before too long, to be quite honest with you, because I, I do think they want to move everyone over to Azure AD. And I would almost lump ADFS in with uh, Active Directory Certificate Services, right? Like, it's definitely filling a need but it's very hard to get right and it's almost impossible to get secure. So um, yeah, we see a lot of problems around ADFS. Most of it result, revolves around over permissioning, but yeah, I think we would definitely recommend moving from ADFS to uh, Azure AD or Intra-ID. And, and part of that too is future-proofing. Like I said, I, I think at some point, Microsoft will sunset that product. All right, moving forward. Uh, what matters most to your organization? It's identity, obviously, because that's the keys to the kingdom. But there are likely additional resources that your company would consider to be extremely valuable. Um, maybe it's customer data or trade secrets. Whatever the case, you'll also want to ensure proper security controls are in place on these resources. And lastly, life is a journey, but so is security, um, at least for the foreseeable future, right, until AI takes over. Um, securing your environment will be an ongoing, moving challenge. Um, you really have to stay mindful of this. You definitely want to secure for today, but you're also going to have to circle back tomorrow to see what's changed. Uh, maybe something in your in your environment has changed, or maybe you know they've Microsoft has released some additional features. Or maybe there's some new attack vectors that are out there that are going to require you to go through and say, hey, what can I do to mitigate this in my environment? So you, it's tough, right? It's just, it's it's going to be an always. You, you have to secure today, you have to secure tomorrow, and just to keep keep an eye on things in the future. And that's, I, I just don't ever see that changing, to be quite honest. Uh, and then, of course, Jake joins us and says, you can add, you can secure ADCS, use Locksmith. We know, Jake. Thanks, Jake. 
yeah, thanks for uh, bringing up a point <laughs> we brought up 30 minutes ago. But yes, Locksmith. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about it again. Uh, <laughs> I, I put the link in the chat for our uh, GitHub, which has Locksmith and a bunch of other stuff that we have up there. Yeah, I was going to say too, Dan, and I, I haven't been able to see the chat, that we have a lot of great resources out there. So the ones we have already talked about during the presentation, um, but also uh, Jim Sikora from our team has, I think, what the, the top 10, our top 20, best practices or, or things you should implement within your AD environment. That is a, an absolutely great resource and that everyone should read and try to implement. Um, Sean Metcalf has developed our, our free AD tool, which essentially allows you to execute a PowerShell script with your environment um, to capture you know, the more common issues that we see um, to help you identify them and hopefully get those corrected. And then also Christina Murillo has just recently dropped a great article, I believe, on the, the five um, most common configuration issues that we're seeing within Azure AD as well. So putting all those links in the chat. Yeah, sorry, Danny, making you work overtime. I so I you know what? I don't mind because I'm the one that posted them, so I know exactly where they are. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I also put in we have a uh, link tree, which uh, is one single web page that has all of the links. Uh, all of our content up on our hub and all that kind of stuff. So that's in there. Awesome. That's that's all that I had for the for the slide presentation. Hell yeah, man! That was awesome. I uh, it was just exhausting. You what you went through twenty some years of uh, of stuff. But um, yeah, thank you to everybody who gave us questions. If you see something that uh, Scott talked about in here, you're like, wow, I would stay for another forty five minutes on it at a different time. Uh, hearing you talk about X thing, like we would love to hear about that. You're gonna get an email after this that's gonna um, it's gonna tell you where we host this video at. I'm just gonna be replayed up on our YouTube and things like that. Um, so uh, Scott mentioned a lot of our stuff is up on hub.trimarksecurity.com. We have so much content up there. It's all free. Even the massive white papers that Jim writes. Uh, <laughs> no registration. You can download it straight from our website. We don't we don't make you jump through hoops to get it. Uh, man, coming up next, uh, we got some more webcasts that we're still planning, but we're gonna be in Vegas. We're gonna be in Vegas uh, next week. Uh, Scott, you're not gonna be there, right? I won't. I'll be at yeah. Blue Team Con um, later this month. Probably disappointing that you're not gonna be in Vegas. Uh, but we are gonna be in Vegas. Matter of fact, if you go to the Trimark Twitter, you can sign up for our uh, Vegas meetup that we're gonna have at Beer Park uh in vegas and we um yeah we're still gonna have that you can try to find sean metcalf and if you find him and hunt for him like a wild elk and send me a picture i will then give you a challenge coin um oh we got oh man somebody just posted a hell of a comment in the thing uh oh my god <laughs> all right uh nope nada i see your comment <laughs> it's like seven paragraphs uh so i'm gonna take it and we're gonna do it justice, uh, but the, it's there might be some scenarios where ADFS is still preferred and required. For example, legacy applications, uh, hybrid scenarios. This is a really good point. I, I, I'm gonna we're gonna do something with this. Thank it, you. For it's, the it's always legacy, right? I mean, that's that's the reason for everything. That's the reason why we see so many bad security practices practices still to this day. It's it's the legacy stuff. If everything could just talk Kerberos. And you know we didn't have to have SMB, NTLM, all that other stuff. Life would yeah. be a lot easier. Actually, I'm going to read this whole thing because they went through the trouble of typing this, so I'm going to read it. Um, yeah. uh, there might be. I'm. I'm. I won't. I'm not going to give you short shrift here. I'm going to read the whole thing. There might be some scenarios where ADFS is still preferred or required. For example, legacy applications. Some legacy applications may only support ADFS-based SSO, or have specific integration requirements, custom integrations. If you have custom applications or unique SSO requirements that are better suited to ADFS, it might make better sense to continue using it. Hybrid scenarios. Can you write blogs for us? This would be great. Uh, <laughs> in certain hybrid identity scenarios where you need to integrate on-prem AD with Azure AD, ADFS might be used to enable federation between the two. Before sunsetting ADFS, it's crucial to thoroughly assess your organization's requirements Absolutely, we are very much about you know uh, uh, the the how organ how organizations move, right? Um, that's part of our all of our assessments that we do. We're like we are operational first. We're not we don't just come in and say you know we come in and do assessments for you and say here's all the ways that you suck and not tell you 
how to fix it, but we're also not going to assume, oh, all just, right? Just is a very, is, a, is such a, a catch-all evil word. Just do this thing or just do this thing. Have you talked about what their operations look like? Do you know what their their change controls are like? Uh, maybe it's just one person responsible for all this. So we actually spend time to talk to people about doing this operationally. And we don't just ever assume that you can just do a thing. Yeah, that's, that's why one recommendation doesn't apply for all organizations, right? There's always edge cases. There's always, yeah, right. legacy applications and, and the other things you have to take into consideration. And we definitely tailor each one each one of our assessments to that customer environment. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's so silly. I've been in so many different, uh, like I've been on product teams, I've been a consultant, I've been internal and sitting down and just hearing somebody try to blanket statement you about these things that are never going to apply to you right yeah. or like you like getting a pen test from a firm that's just like here's how we beat you up okay well how do we heal that's not our department hmm. um at the very end uh, they say uh, additionally perform a careful analysis of applications in use and their compatibility with azure adsso this way you can make an informed decision on whether to retire adfs and fully embrace azure ad SSO JM also says healthcare sector is a nightmare. Absolutely, it is. A lot of medical device vendors and special software vendors don't have competition to force them to move to OAuth or SAML. Absolutely, I was in healthcare uh, before I came to Trimark, and it was a product-based company, a security-based product. Like, and it's they don't. Yeah, it's very special. You God, you hit the nail right on the head. Special medical devices. There's a whole. By the way, if you're going to Vegas, like we are uh defcon if you're going there there's a whole medical device village to go into uh mm. where people just bang away on medical devices that could donate it to them um so yeah thank you nope not uh oh they they left before i finished reading their comment well thank you for your comment that's now going to be on the recording uh i'll suck there's a nightmare i could read that one over and over again uh but yeah um so yeah if we if we're if we're all done we got if you want to stay up to date we have a newsletter too it's actual like I make it like I take all the stuff and I say, is this going to be important? And does it matter to you? You have a million things to read. You have a million things to watch. We're happy you read our stuff and watch our stuff. So trimarksecurity.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at trimarksecurity. And uh, yeah, Scott, well done, man. Thank you so much Thanks. for uh, putting all this together for us. Hey, you made it extremely easy, Danny. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, pshaw. Uh, great job on today's webinar, by the way, Christina says. Very comprehensive. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, for all of our schedules and all of our stuff, drumarksecurity.com, come hang out with us. We'll see everybody later. All right. Have a good one. Bye.